This talk was given at Insight Meditation South Bay. For more information and a schedule of our events, visit the Insight Meditation South Bay website at www.imsb.org. For information about online programs, visit the Bodhi Courses website at www.bodhicourses.org. Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I. Okay. All right. So we've got the cell phones turned off. Um, So just without going into meditation, just arrive here. Know that you are here in this place now. Give yourself permission to let go of everything but your practice. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves it's okay. So being here, I want you to recognize in yourself, what is my mood right now? Am I happy? Am I down? Am I confident? Uncertain? Whatever it is. Don't create it, just notice. What's my energy level, body, mind, heart? Am I tense or jangled? Am I tired? Am I damped down? Am I restless, agitated even? And what is the felt quality of my mind? Do I feel willing? Do I feel resistant? Excited? Peaceful? There is no right way to be. Just notice what's happening for you right now. The idea is to bring mind and body together into this time, into this place, into this breath, and to do it again and again, which is what we will be doing tonight. Until 9 o'clock tonight, nothing else matters. You are free to be here, to be calm and alert, to be at rest, but to be ready. So in my experience, concentration requires you to learn about your own energy. If you start concentration with low energy, your mind is limp and it's unfocused. And if you feel like that's your tone right now, that's your mood, just notice that. Feel what that energy is. But if you're restless and agitated... Um, energy and mind are strong, but they're all over the place. They're unfocused and unstable. So I have discovered through these years of practice that you can bring energy into a good balance by doing really um, intentional movement. Typically for me, it would be a slow, kind of rhythmic, repetitive movement. So I want to give you an experience of how that feels, uh, balancing energy through movement. And so I want to have us do some Qigong for a time. I want us to just listen to the instructions first. We're going to stand from these chairs, move out into that part of the room where it's open, And find yourself a space where you have room around you, kind of this big cylinder. It's not going to be jumping or moving from your space, but you need this much not to be bumping into anyone. And I will stand facing the clock so I can keep track of time, and you should stand facing me. And we will do some Qigong for about 10 minutes, I would say, somewhere around that time. And then we'll move back to our seats. And I'll talk a little more. We'll have announcements. And following that, then we will do the meditation. So you're ready for some movement? Let's notice how you feel. 
as you move, and move, go ahead and move silently, I would say, and I won't be wearing the mic for this. done the exercises, you may feel um, a leveling of energy from having done that. If you were dopey, um, your energy may be raised. If you were agitated, it may be calmed. I don't know how this works, but I just, I observe it all the time. It does work. So I'm setting the stage for doing concentration practice because concentration is different from the insight that we ordinarily do here. Um, We'll be doing concentration uh, through these different activities, mainly through the meditation. And I'm going to compare now insight meditation, which is probably what you have been doing, with the concentration method. So insight uh, involves mindfulness, the wide-open awareness, and investigation that you're probably more used to. Insight meditation welcomes any experience of body or mind that arises. We hold it with acceptance, without judgment or criticism, and we see it clearly. Experience after experience is brought into our attention and known as it rises and as it passes away. No experience is considered a distraction. But when we do concentration, the attention focuses on a single chosen object. Beforehand, you decide what you will be concentrating on. Buddhist scriptures describe 40 different objects that might be used to focus attention, but tonight we will be using the breath. The guidance will be to move attention to the breath and then to sustain it there. No other experience will be given attention, and of course that's the ideal practice. We'll be working with that. Because concentration rests on a single object, that's its method, giving attention to anything else is considered to be a distraction. Now, insight and concentration are not in opposition to one another. They are different ways to train the mind. And with experience, working with concentration, we may, use, uh, we may use those practices as a gateway to the deeper mind states, which are called jhanas in Buddhist scripture. But we can also practice concentration just for itself. Um, concentration unifies the mind, bringing this pleasurable quality of smooth calmness and alertness to the body and the mind, training the mind to focus, to keep attention one-pointed, and to become wise about distractions and about how to let go of them, especially the obstacles that we call the hindrances. So I'm going to stop my talking here, let Sharon make the announcements for the group. Nancy, make the announcements for the group. 
and um, have a break, I assume, also. And then when we meet again, I'll talk a little more about the concentration method, and we'll do it. How many of you have been doing meditation, oh, like more than a month? Most of you. Has anybody been doing it less than a month so that you're really new to it? Okay. You've had some experience and you've heard some instructions. So tonight I'll be giving you um, instructions with a different kind of emphasis. Uh, I'll be, we'll be starting a meditation in a little while, and um, I'll be doing plenty of guidance at first, and as we get into it, then there'll be more periods of silence. So the practice, as I said, in concentration is to find the object, and tonight it will be the breath, and to keep your attention with the object. That is all we do in concentration practice. We let go of other experience uh, that arises instead of exploring it, as might be um, what we're used to doing. And if the mind turns away from the breath, and probably I should say when the mind turns away from the breath, um, just do your breath, do your best to come back to the breath. That is concentration practice. And the idea is to keep your attention with the breath, just resting there for as many breaths as you can during our meditation period. Somebody said it's like when you tap on a nail. Every breath you do with concentration, the nail goes a little deeper. Every breath that you're aware of, your concentration goes a little deeper. That's how concentration practice works. It builds. So we'll be seeing how that works for us. And it is a good exploration to take a look at the mind and see where um, your attention is pulled. Typically, we have favorite places, favorite things that pull our attention away. And it's very interesting to know what comes between you and your um, attention. By doing concentration practice regularly, you develop some control over where your attention goes and where it stays. And that in itself is a wonderful skill, both in meditation and in daily life. And of course, if you feel concentration practice is not right for you tonight f for any reason at all, or during, during the time we're doing it, if it seems confusing or overwhelming, just turn to whatever meditation does seem right for you, whatever it is that you're more accustomed to doing. So let's begin. And we'll begin by the way we would begin any meditation. I'll sound the bell, and then I'll begin the guidance, and you will bring your attention in. So right now, to begin a concentration practice centered around the breath, make the intention of doing just that, the intention of resting with the breath during this meditation period, setting that intention 
leads the body, the mind, the heart, the psyche to align your wise meditation efforts together in the simple act of resting with the breath. So now please take your meditation posture. You may have done that already. Um, Making sure that your posture lines up with your intention to concentrate, meaning an alert, comfortable posture that signals the mind and body to be ready to focus and to stay focused and to take direction from the intention. Like a well-trained carriage horse, poised in a harness, ready to take you to your destination. We'll begin with some little exercises that go directly to the brain to lead the brain into a calm, relaxed state. So as you're sitting there, raise one hand and place one knuckle against your lips. Choose a finger, choose the thumb. Just rest one knuckle against your lips and leave it there. And just feel it. Just breathe. This has a physiological calming effect on the brain. And let the hand come back to rest again, wherever you would like it to be. And another small exercise to relax and calm the brain neurologically is to simply allow your lips to part and just continue to breathe in that way. Probably your breath will come through both the lips and the nose. Just let the lips be parted. And then the last one will take a little more um, uh, attention. We're going to do some deliberately longer exhales, and here is the instruction. Listen to it first, and then you can begin yours. And it's simply to inhale to a count of three, and exhale to a count of six. And do do several uh, repetitions of that, inhaling to three, exhaling to six. These little exercises can be used anytime to calm and steady the brain. And now let the breath be just as it wants. Trust and relax in the body to breathe just as it needs to.
and now beginning to move attention slowly through the body, connecting and moving on. Starting with the feet, touching the floor, letting the toes relax. Letting the ball of the foot relax, the arch, and the heel. The feet are easy, comfortable. The legs bending to fit the chair to be comfortable sitting on a cushion. The sense of the buttocks and the thighs resting heavily on the cushion or the chair. Let the belly be relaxed. Our cultural habit is to suck it in But it's good to let it just be relaxed. Let it, uh, let it fall downward a bit. The spine and the ribs are rising, balanced. And within the torso, the organs of the body are carrying out their functions. You may be aware of the ribs expanding and contracting with the breath. The arms, forearm resting, and each hand resting, and the fingers of each hand supported. Moving up into the shoulders and neck a place we often carry tension. We allow ease and softness to permeate that area. And the head, in a way, is floating over all. At this point, the lips may be touching, They may be slightly parted. The skin of the cheeks, skin around the nose, around the eyes, the forehead. Let all that smooth and soften. around the ears, the inner ears, 
as deeply as you can feel the inner ears. Let that area soften and round deep inside. On the scalp, or perhaps through the hair, the lightest sense of air passing through. And for the next two or three minutes, just move around the body without judgment, connecting, bringing ease and alertness, an easy awakening into the body. Letting your awareness now move to the sensations of the breath flowing in and flowing out. Wherever that seems most clear to you, perhaps in the nostrils, the chest, or the belly, know the body's own experience of breathing in and breathing out. Begin to settle with that experience. Accepting the breath as it rises and falls, we don't need to analyze the breath. Let the mind be at ease. Let it be content with the breath just as it is now. This breath. And this breath. And this one.
Is the mind throwing out thoughts? They're not needed right now. You can let them go. Let the mind turn toward the breath. Not in judgment. Just in alert companionship. It may be as your focus begins to stabilize that some pleasantness arises, the feeling of comfort, awakeness. It is pleasant just being still, being with yourself, knowing your own experience of breathing. Come into that comfort. Let that comfort permeate the body and your attention. Remembering your intention to stay with the breath. There may be a growing sense that you are all right, that this is enough right now. Just being present, sitting, breathing, content with things as they are in this moment, breathing in, breathing out. letting everything become simple, only breathing in, only breathing out, over and over. If a distraction arises, a pain, a strong thought, 
Don't start a conflict. Just give it some space. Breathe with it. Don't fight against it. Stay with the breath as best you can. All is centered on breathing. Notice a sense of composure of body and mind, heart and psyche, everything in rhythm, in sync, centered on the breath, everything being breathed together. Remembering your intention to rest with the breath, to stay with the breath. And to find the comfort in that composure of mind and body, attention, heart,
welcoming the sense of body and mind breathing together, supporting one another, focusing, just as we turn the lens of a camera to find the focus and things become clear. When we increase our ability to stay with the breath, things in the mind can be more clear. simplifying practice. Everything is centered around breathing, resting with one breath after another. Remembering your intention to stay with the breath.
Sometimes when we get to the latter part of a meditation period, we need to rededicate to our intention. So I encourage you to do that for these last few minutes. Rededicate. Find your breath. And again, stay and rest in the breath. So let yourself slowly come back into the presence of the room and the group and spend some moments reflecting for yourself. Was there some centering during that time for you? Was there concentration, some, some unification, or was attention scattered? Let these understandings teach you about the concentrated mind and the unconcentrated mind. Are there any comments or questions at this point? Yes. Could you wait one second for the mic? Because if we record that, we'll then pick up. did not notice any big difference between this meditation and the meditation that we are doing because between breaths you have um, some kind of break and on this break um, you're telling us to concentrate only on breath uh, as usually I concentrate on maybe body parts or feeling and then I go to breast when breast comes um, and I have question uh, what are your suggestions about the timing between breaths and what to concentrate better or um, 
Just wait for the breath. It, it may be that you've made concentration a practice for yourself already. The meditation, uh, the concentration that um, begins to be taught when you've had some practice or that you begin to recognize when you've had practice becomes more and more intense so that there is nothing but the breath. Things seem to fall away from the, intent, from the attention and the, um, the mind, the body, um, all the energy just stays with the breath coming and going, the flow of the breath coming and going, nothing else is present. When, um, usually when we start that practice, um, lots of things come in and it becomes our wise effort to encourage those things away. I'm going to talk about distractions in a minute. So it may be that you started with a strong concentration. I think some temperaments are more easily um, able to do concentration practice, and some are more easily able to do the more open insight practice. Both are very necessary and very useful, I think, for um, liberation. To be liberated from suffering, we need the understanding and investigation that insight gives us, and that concentration to keep us on the track that we want to go. We practice on the breath as object, but that really becomes the support for all kinds of um, concentration uh, and understanding. So it's like the platform that we work from. Thank you. Yes. find that sometimes it can be overwhelming to think I have to concentrate on my breath yeah. for the next 10 minutes or the next 15 minutes so I think it's helpful to just say I just got to concentrate for this present breath, just this one uh, one at a time because it, I can think oh I'm not going to be able to hold this for the next 15 minutes it can be you, overwhelming. You, you've answered the big problem, yeah. you know when I look at 25 minutes it's like uh uh-uh, uh it's not going to work but I can do this breath and and it does build a momentum, a momentum of success and a momentum of confidence that I can go forward and do the next breath as well. That's a great uh, pointer for building confidence and a necessary one, I think, to get through um, the effort of concentration. I want to move on a little bit um, and talk about unified mind because often um, if you go into this teaching in any further way, you'll be hearing that term, unified mind. So what is that? Uh, Typically, and if you think about your own awareness, you'll find that your awareness, certainly mine, is in all kinds of strands, and it seems like practically at the same time or in some sort of strobe-like fashion. For instance, oh, I remember the conversation I had today. He said, she said, I said, they said... Um, oh, I'm so tired, I'm really feeling sorry for myself tonight. Um, You know, I wonder what there's going to be to eat when I get home after this talk tonight. All this stuff is in my concentration. Oh, my leg hurts. Oh, a thought about the future. I wonder if that phone call is going to come. Does your mind work like that? All of our minds do. That's how minds go. All these strands shooting out everywhere, and then we just follow the one that's most interesting in the moment. When we work with concentration, um, we have to work through that. We have to work around it. So that kind of divided awareness is actually um, makes for weak attention because the attention is going in all kinds of directions. 
But when this, the strands of mind and body and heart and psyche let go of those different directions, they can join together with your intention to be present with the breath. And then the mind and the body and the heart and the psyche strengthen each other in support of that intention. Just like the strands of a rope, when they are twined together, are much stronger than any one of those strands separately. So if we get body and mind, psyche, heart, all of those things working together and strengthening each other, that's what we call unified mind. During meditation, the breath leads and everything else centers around it smoothly, right there with the breath. Practice simplifies as every energy organizes around the movement of the breath. Nothing else is needed in concentration. So other experiences can drop away. There is nothing but the breath, in and out. When the breath does unify like this, there is pleasure, there is peaceful alertness, and there is centered energy that can, can be directed. And this is where we use that word one-pointed. The energy is directed to the object, and it stays there, and like tapping that nail, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper until we break through into various uh, liberating understandings. In a minute, we're going to do another shorter meditation, and I want you to, um, we'll use that time to work with this unified mind a bit. But I want to talk about distractions from meditation, uh, from concentration. One of them would certainly be, oh my God, I've got to do 20 minutes of this. This is one of those negative thoughts that can sort of send you off the rails before you even start. We all get those thoughts. We all have our favorite distractions. One of mine is, oh, I might be uncomfortable. Oh, how can I get more comfortable? Comfort it seems really important to me. But with practice looking at how these distractions pull us away from our practice, um, we just can learn how to deal with them. So in concentration practice, and really in any kind of meditation practice, when a distraction arises, um, what's the first thing we're usually taught? Let go of it. That's the simple teaching. Let go of it, go back to the breath. But um, we've probably all been there. Some distractions are a little more insistent. And so then we may have to become firm. And we say, no. Just like, um, just like a parent disciplining a child, no, get away from the plug, come back here. We may have to tell ourselves that, no, and mean it. So that means don't get pulled into an argument with your distraction. The distraction may come up and say, I'm really important, you better work with me. It is entirely possible to say inside the mind to the distraction, not now, you are important, but I'll take care of you later. And then sometimes what happens is something really strong comes up, something we practically have a conflict around. What do we do with that kind of distraction? In that case, we open what I can only describe it, and the words don't really, but this sort of huge mm, space of awareness 
with the understanding that everything can be in there. What I want and what I don't want, it all has permission to be, and I don't have to go stand next to the thing that is causing me conflict, and I don't have to let it cramp me, and I don't have to let it overshadow me. We can all just stand there. You know, like, what was his name, Rodney? King said, can't we all just get along? <laughs> yeah, we can, if we make enough space for all that. In every case, when a distraction comes up in meditation, in concentration, you do what you can to leave it and come back to the breath. This is different from insight, where we would say, turn to it, take it into attention, and when it's not so strong, return to the breath. Concentration is more deliberate. As soon as we know, we turn back. We eliminate, if possible, we let be with a lot of space, and we turn back. Question? What if you have respiratory uh, problems like a cold or COPD or... I think I think in that case you would make a judgment whether it was right for you to do meditate uh, concentration at that time. And certainly we're going to talk about sort of that after we do this. And remind me if I don't get to it. Um, so when we work with concentration in this deliberate way, we do build our mind in a different way than when we work with the open awareness. The mind that is able to return to its focus and stay with its focus over and over again brings confidence as well as calmness and stability. Meditation becomes satisfying, pleasant, strong, and peaceful, something to look forward to. Um, It's a pleasure to practice. That was my biggest surprise when I really took on concentration. It is a pleasure to practice it. When your inner life is not in conflict with the present moment, but is both awake in it and tranquil, then your foundation for practice is the relaxed one-pointedness that opens to wisdom and to liberation. So it takes some effort to get going in this. It takes real deliberation to stay with it. I'm encouraging you to take it on as a practice once in a while, on a regular basis, Um, and we're going to do a few minutes again. Um, The guidance will be similar, but not as long. Um, Ten-ish minutes, yes. Um, You were talking about distractions. What if the distraction is something that takes you away and generates some anxiety? Mm -hmm. Say say it builds tension in you or something. Mm -hmm. So you say you, you bring it back to the breath, but the, the anxiety is still there, even though you brought your... So you have to... You're still, is, that, is that still as effective, or... You know? Sometimes you just have to let the anxiety be there. I, it depends on how intense it is, and if it's a real difficulty. Um, the insight, the vipassana, the mindfulness, can turn to the anxiety and just explore it in the body, and just see how it is standing in the way of my keeping my attention where I want it. That can help me to learn about how the mind works. So sometimes we have to make that choice. It's not working, so I'll turn to Vipassana for now. And when I feel the calmness return, I can go back. So maybe in one meditation period, you'll be coming back and forth. But when you get to that one period where you're just concentrating, you'll feel the difference. 
And so you may have to build to that. Good question. Thank you. All right. A little bit of um, sitting, some guidance, and um, then I'm going to move on a little more. So again... Letting your posture support your intention. And with this uh, meditation, you've already put in some real time concentrating, doing the best you can. You're partway there already. So feeling the body recognizing the intention to be calm and alert, the mind recognizing the intention to keep the thoughts, to keep the mind with the breath, the psyche that wants to throw up anxiety, worry, fatigue, tells itself, not now. Everything begins to come together as we sit and we wake up to the breathing. The body being breathed and the sense of all our other energies beginning to flow around the breath and to hold it, to center around the breath, to let the breath be in the middle and everything else flowing around it, knowing the in-breath and the out-breath. Respecting the intention that sounds so simple, just rest with the breath. Breathing in, and breathing out, being present, no conflict, simply breathing. Allow a sense of comfort and relaxation to be present even though there may be some effort at redirecting attention. The effort is simple. 
It's one-pointed. No decisions. And when things begin to flow together to support that intention of being with the breath, resting there, the energy begins to flow. And it becomes easier. And now please take a deep breath in and release it fully. And allow yourself to be present and relaxed and let go of all effort. For the last minute or two, just enjoy your time in silence, being present, undirected, released, just be So again, let yourself stretch or stand or whatever you need to do for your comfort. And as you do it, again, reflect. um, Was there or were there moments of concentrated mind or was it all scattered? Again, it's seeing both ways that will teach us um, which is which. So a question comes up, um, can you do this kind of practice at home? Uh, My answer is yes, under certain conditions. Uh, And I'm going to tell you what I have found that works for me. And it kind of speaks to your question about when the body isn't doing too well. So they may or may not give you some ideas. So for me, not every home sitting is uh, a concentration because almost any day I can do a vipassana meditation. But I like certain uh, conditions to be present for concentration. And if they're not, um, I don't want to bang my head against a wall or fault myself. So I do the best I can to make the conditions supportive to that. 
And that means that I might only do a concentration practice at home once or twice a week. That's just how it works out. So for the first thing, I set more time aside. If I'm going to be practicing with the concentrated mind, it it takes me a little bit longer to get um, concentrated. And then when I do get there, it feels good and I want to stay there. So for me, uh, about 45 minutes is uh, the right amount of time. An hour would be nice. I haven't actually tried that at home, but um, 45 works pretty well for me. Uh, I use my breath as the object of meditation. In um, Richard Shankman's book, he describes there are 40 different objects that can be used, including physical like uh, symbols, um, lists of things to consider from the Buddhist um, understanding. If you're interested, you can read them. I'm not, not going to go into that. Um, the third thing I do when I want to do concentration at home, or actually when I do any meditation at home, is I dress in comfortable clothes. I wear, I wear these stretchy pants. Um, I don't wear anything that is binding or constricting because I want to feel the breath as naturally as possible in the body, and I don't want the clothes confining the breath. So um, the movements of breath are free, and I can be with it in a free way. I also discovered that um, the best time for me to do concentration is mid-morning. If I wait later, I'm asleep in the, in the last half. So if you were sleepy tonight, I get it completely. I do not do concentration at night, typically. If I were at home doing concentration in the evening, I would do vipassana, I would do mindfulness, um, and I would have a better chance of staying awake, I would say. But mid-morning, that's my time. Uh, the other thing is I do it when I'm alone in the house. If I don't, there's one dog under my arm with his nose. The other dog is sitting wanting to get on the cushion with me. My husband, who says, you go sit, I'll go play a computer game, he forgets I'm sitting and he starts singing. And you can do vipassana with all these things happening. You can be mindful, but concentration, forget it. So that doesn't happen. Um, I don't do this all the time, but it can be very helpful if I feel agitated or restless and that is to do some movement before I start the meditation, just as we did tonight. Did you feel a difference in your energy level before and after? I always do. I don't really understand how Qigong works, but I can count on it. And for me, that would be the best. But walking meditation is great. How many of you have done or understand what walking meditation is? Most of you do. So... Um, Maybe I'll save it for last. Gil Fransdahl teaches a little um, technique for walking meditation that actually can lead to concentration. So if we have a few minutes at the end, I'll teach that to you. But I'm, I'm going to go by it now. Because I do want to talk about the mind states that are called the jhanas. How many have heard of jhanas before? Many have, many haven't. I think I mentioned that I've been practicing 21 years. It was years before I ever heard the jhanas mentioned, and I have a feeling it's they're more talked about now, perhaps because we have more um, translations of the scriptures available now and people are becoming familiarized with it. 
So in Buddhist scriptures, in the Theravada tradition, the word samadhi, which is translated as concentration, actually refers to these deeply concentrated states of mind, and these are called the jhanas. It doesn't actually have it on the title. Our principal teacher here, Shaila Catherine, is an author and a teacher of jhana practice. She explains jhana this way. Jhana practice refers to a traditional sequence of specific states of absorption where the mind is deeply unified with the chosen object. Attention is not distracted by thought or affected by moods. Even physical sensations and sounds fade as the mind becomes immersed in a single focus. Listen to this. This is important. Jhanas are states of happiness that can radically transform the heart and reshape the mind. They are states of deep rest, healing, and profound comfort that create a stable platform for transformative insight. That's why we do concentration, to create that stable platform for transformative insight. So I think you can see that the concentration we did tonight can be a gateway to working with these jhanas. Now, depending on which uh, system you study, there are four, five, six, or eight jhana states. And this is not a contradiction. It's just different ways of working with these mind states. Each state is seen to be complete in itself, and it also lays the support for progressing to the next state. So I'm going to describe the four states of jhana, and this is the way um, I believe Shaila teaches that. So the first jhana is active, energetic, full of pleasure and examination in, in the mind. The inner work is full of that. The second jhana, that's deeper, is characterized by peace and unification, The third brings equanimity and clear comprehension. And the fourth continues equanimity within the brightness of pure mind, undistracted by sense experience. Now, I am not giving any instruction about jhana. I'm just giving you information. So please don't ask me to go into any more. That is the topic of days of teaching. According to B. Allen Wallace, who is a Tibetan practitioner and expert in Buddhism, there are shifts in the nervous system as one progresses through these mental, these jhana states. And that's why concentration at this level is usually taught at a longer retreat with a teacher's guidance. It requires intention, it requires diligence. Uh, you have to trust the teacher and you have to trust the instruction. And it requires letting go and letting go and letting go, especially of the obstacles, which we often call the hindrances. Now, luckily for us, there is a retreat coming up. And um, this is where Shyla Catherine and Ann Dillon are going to be the teachers. If you have an interest in pursuing concentration in a more dedicated way, this is 10-day, right? It can be a little shorter, if you wish. Um, It is a 10-day retreat. Um, If you've never done a 10-day, oh, man, do it. I strongly suggest it. 
this could be a place where you could begin to take on the deeper practices of concentration. You would talk it over with the teacher first. She would need to know about your practice to see if you're ready for that. And um, if you aren't, there are you can practice with concentration without um, going to those deeper states. Or here, you can practice with mindfulness. The teachers are that versatile. They can guide you in the direction you want to go. So I didn't know I would be doing a little commercial for this, but it, the timing is just great. So um, if you have an interest in learning this one-pointed mind, um, you can only learn it by practicing it. And, you know, it's up to you how you want to practice and learn. So at a 10-day retreat a few years ago, Shyla was teaching, and she advised beginners that we would need a long warm-up, and would, then we would have short periods of jhana. But with more experience, one can enter those jhana states at will and without trouble. She said establishing a jhana uh, takes a lot of energy, but once you're in it, uh, it gives you huge energy. Energy. She also clarified something, though, and this is a, a misunderstanding, I think. The mere experience of having these rarefied states is not a mark of your skill. Uh, these states are a natural result of the momentum of concentration. So again, it's that hammer tapping, tapping, tapping. When you have enough momentum, you'll get there. Do know that the jhana states are not liberation. They are stepping stones to deeper liberation. Richard Shankman, in this book, The Experience of Samadhi, points out that, and I want to read his quote, he said, from the Buddhist death to this day, disagreements and disputes have arisen about the nature of jhana and its proper place in the path to liberation. And to prove that point, the whole second part of this book is interviews with eight different modern teachers who all have different takes on the importance of the jhanas, how to do them, how many there are, where they fit into the Buddhist scheme of, of uh, practice. But Richard reminds us of something really important, and I want you to remember this too, that our practice is not about finding the one true and correct path of Buddhist doctrine, and then following it. There is no one true, correct path. The Buddha himself was not rigid about how you are to develop your practice. He took into account people's temperament, their personality, their life circumstances, and he taught different students with different um, emphasis from his practice. So it is up to us, and it is okay for us to shape our own practice. That's what I want you to know. To do that, you have to recognize your strengths and your limitations. For instance, if you find concentration pretty accessible, you might want to pursue that. If you find it maybe not such a good idea under certain circumstances, physical or emotional, then know yourself and use that information wisely. Um, we want to know that so we can move in a direction that bears fruit. And the fruit is wisdom, 
compassion and liberation in our lives. We want to be liberated from suffering, and we want to help others liberate. So if you feel this jhana practice is something you want to look into, go ahead and check with Shaila. Um, If you want to pursue concentration, just as we've done it tonight, you can. We've talked about ways you can bring it into your practice. And I would suggest that you don't do every single meditation as concentration, but do the ones where you're going to be successful. As I said, set the conditions that will help you to be successful. Um, and the, other, the last thing I want to sort of leave you with, with the formal talking, is that trust that the practice you're doing right now is the right practice for you. Uh, and trust that you'll recognize when it's time for a change or to pick up a new practice, to add it to your toolbox of things that you can do. You know, you know yourself, and as you continue to practice with mindfulness, you will know yourself better. And the tool of concentration will help you to become more one-pointed in your search. So let me take two minutes and just show you this little walking meditation thing. And um, it's so easy, and I think we'll turn off for that. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.